Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Amazon had a major outage last week disrupting services for companies all across the U.S. Even the tech john was affected. Would you wear a mask that glows if it detects COVID? The tech john crew probably would, but we'd feel some kind of way about it. Apple Watch owners file a class action lawsuit for expanding batteries that crack the screen. Tech Life Steph has firsthand knowledge of the issue. And black audiences are cutting the cord at an alarming rate. The usually low cable and satellite TV customer base has dwindled 25% in less than four years. We've got all this and more in episode 14 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Daredevil, because <laughs> I just put up my Christmas lights on my house, and normally I stay on the lower half of the house, but I was like, all right, this year, I'm going to step it up. Got so I, ambitious. Yeah, so I got got in the garage, pulled my ladder out, and got on the roof, and let me tell you, you want I'm not scared of heights. But your boy was up there looking mad chumpish, trying to <laughs> stand on the roof and staple lights around my the trim of my house. I didn't do all the windows. I didn't do everything. Just like I've got two layers of trim that I could put lights on. And you want to talk about a brother up there being mad careful. <laughs> I, I look goofy up there trying to put them lights up. And I know the neighbors. I had a, a, a neighbor to the left of me and the neighbor across the street. They're both out doing random things. And I know for a while they was like, this Negro is going to fall. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and wait, for this, and, and wait for this Negro to fall. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't. But you want to talk about uh, I will be using uh, Thumbtack or Angie's List or uh, somebody to uh, hire somebody to do this next year, Jack. You ain't so, leaving them up. Leave them up. Uh, no, no, I don't like that girl. <laughs> so I actually used to work with um, an intern and this dude had a little side hustle business where he would go and he would throw Christmas lights up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was doing this, uh, like when he actually took the internship, he's like, I know I'm doing an internship, but I just need to have these 10 days off right before Christmas for my other business. So because he's an intern, it was no big deal. Then he got hired on and he keeps doing this and doing this and doing this to the point to where he's like, yeah, I want to go ahead and resign. He had built his company in five years to the point to where he made more money from his company putting lights up two weeks right after Thanksgiving than he did from his job all year. Dang. So how much were y'all paying him? <laughs> well, he was he was like low on the totem pole, but he was making good money. But what he did was he he literally built the business. So he 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 franchised this thing out to where you know um, he 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 basically showed other guys, other not just guys, but other people, how to go out and start a business 
hanging up Christmas lights and doing stuff like that. And it's like, so it, it, it morphed. It wasn't just Christmas lights. He would do Halloween stuff, the blow up right. animals, like just the yard sign stuff. So it, it turned into some, you know, some of everything, but it's just like, well, I, I know when this guy who, who now has literally a multi-million dollar business and this is what he does, yard decoration stuff. And I could say, I knew, I knew him when he was, he was real fresh. He was right out of uh, Ohio U when he was doing it. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yep. So yeah, next year I'll be calling. So I'll be calling somebody to take them down in January. And then next year I'm just going to pull the trigger and have somebody come out and do it. Cause I was up there. <laughs> like I said, I ain't scared. Of, I ain't scared of heights, but I but was sweating. Was sweating. <laughs> I was up there. So I had to take a couple breaks. So I'm just sitting on the roof. Like, why am I up here? Let me get so, down. But I was like, I'm almost done. Let me, let me, yeah. let me finish. And then I'll be like, sing a quick my, prayer. My <laughs> oldest is almost grown. So it's just, it's just not the same thing for, you know, for, for kids anymore. So we started probably four or five years ago, just getting those led lights. You just, you know, just stake it down in, in the yard and point it at the house and it just shines lights Man, on the house. I, I went to a party <laughs> this weekend where they had, I, I hate those. I ain't even going, I mean, no disrespect to your house, Rob, but I you just disrespect. Said, I just, I, to get I, there I wish, like I wish they had the AI to detect the windows and not project onto the window. At least make it look halfway like you tried, you mm. know, to to really do the house. Because it just it's just it's literally just a flashlight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, I was just like, man, this is just the, the the laziest, about the laziest thing. But this is coming mm-hmm. from somebody who has not decorated at all, so you can't you can't go by me. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to kind of go overboard with it because it becomes a competition between you and your neighbors. Well, not for me, just, Jack. I'm just not about that life anymore. <laughs> yeah, my neighbors don't about care either. But anyway, um, we have a few patrons hanging out with us in our live stream, uh, you know, this show. And if you would like to be able to do that as well, where you can actually watch us talk and record the show live, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John and become a member over there. And then you'll get access to all kinds of benefits, like being able to watch us live stream the recording of the tech John. Mm-hmm. So um, last week, um, few folks may have noticed that uh, the show went up a little bit late. Uh, it, was, it was about three hours, three hours and 15 minutes late. Nor- normally I have, the, you know, we, we record on Mondays. I get up first thing uh, on on Tuesday mornings, produce the show, usually have it done about 930 and I schedule it to go out right at 11 a.m. Everything what I'm doing that on uh, last Tuesday works just fine. So I'm expecting around 11 o'clock, usually right at 11.01, 11.02, I'll start getting notifications that it went up on uh, Amazon. It went up on Spotify. It went up on, uh, what is the big one? Apple, Apple Music. So five, you know, five after 11, I don't see anything. 10 after 11, okay, let, me, let me go take a look and see what's happening. I'm looking at my post. I'm like, hey, it says it's published. You know, everything is working. But then I noticed like, oh, there's an icon that's just spinning. I wonder what's going on with that. So I am in fix the show mode. I'm not looking at what's going on in the rest of the world mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing all of this stuff to try to get the show up. And I'm talking to other folks who 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 use the platform. Oh, it does that sometimes. It'll get stuck processing. Just delete it, Plus repost the, it, it'll be right that back. Tech support. So, Why am I mm-hmm. showing up again? So I'm I'm like hitting support, and it's like, man, they usually pretty pretty quick at getting back, but they're not getting back. So it must it must be something really big going on. And then finally. 
you know, Tom Merritt, you guys all know, he says, you know what? I wonder if, if the AWS outage has anything to do with it. I'm like, ah, <laughs> that probably was it. Now, support has never said that this was the issue. So I don't want to say that this was the issue. Let me just say that from about 11 o'clock until about 3.15, there was no tech job. <laughs> and those are exactly the hours of when uh, AWS was out. So for those who aren't certain what I'm talking about, uh, Amazon had a massive outage with uh, their network uh, last week. And it affected all kind of folks, uh, big companies, small companies. I really feel bad for all of the small businesses that are trying to do their Cyber Monday week stuff. Um, in the midst of a major outage and it, there's just nothing you can do, um, while the service is down. And even though it was only down, uh, for, I guess it was down, you know, for the better part of a, of an afternoon, um, that's some of that money you just never be able to recover because somebody wanted to buy something right then they couldn't do it. So they moved on someplace else and they bought something similar or the same thing from somebody else. And that's revenue. That you well, let's, never let's, be able let's, to let's take a step back and, and just do a quick little primer, very quick primer on what AWS is and, and how it kind of how it works, why it's so important. Um, now just start and y'all, y'all just jump in there if I start saying stuff wrong or whatever. But AWS stands for Amazon Web Services, and it is basically a, a cloud service. So, you know, when, when you hear that word cloud, I think people get, um, a little confused and intimidated because it, it, it's a cloud. It seems very ethereal and ephemeral and it, and it not, doesn't actually um, exist or anything like that. But when you hear that, that term cloud, uh, it means that the, the data is still stored on a physical device somewhere. So somebody's server has to be holding that data. Um, cloud just means that you can access the data through the internet. So mm-hmm. you can get it from anywhere on any device. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on your computer. You can get it however you, however you get it. Um, you can get it from anywhere as long as you have an internet connection. So that is what cloud means. But the data still actually has to live on a physical uh, server somewhere around the world. Um, and what Amazon has done with, with AWS is they've made it easy for companies to store data and do all of the work of having a website or an e-commerce site or, or, or an IT, a whole IT department, basically, mm-hmm. without having to have that physical stuff at their office. So if I run a website, you know, normally I would need a server to host the website on and connectivity and all kinds of stuff. And, and Terrence, I know you probably could explain this a little bit more concisely than I can, but I would need a lot of stuff. Um, physical assets and, and maybe some tech support and and, and all kind of other stuff to run this website myself on my own. AWS lets you let them take care of all of that. Um, and, you know, all of your data is there with them. You know, you might be, you know, uh, contracting with tech support from them and, you know, all kind of other services uh, that they offer to make that process easier for you. Um, but when that goes down, then you just left without nothing because they control and, and, you know, they, they manage all of your, your assets basically for, for your web, um, for your website. So, yeah. 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 Uh, you got it exactly right. And it's even more because like you said, Amazon web services makes things easy. They have products on top of just 
hosting data. They've mm-hmm. got products to make your website go faster. They got products to duplicate your website, you know, in the case that one of their servers go down, they can move it someplace else. They get all these different services on top of that. And you would think, okay, well, you know, me just putting a website up or the tech John, for example, just putting a website up, we can do that on GoDaddy or WordPress or Squarespace. You know, there are major companies that house and store and analyze and 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 spit out millions and millions of data points. And that's where Amazon Web Services comes in because they say, hey, look, we can house all that. We can house all this this code. So you think of all this development that goes into building mm-hmm. a website. You know, we're talking like again, we're not we're not talking simple little website WordPress websites. We're right. talking about complete websites, millions developed. of lines of code. All that is uploaded and has to be stored somewhere. Amazon has kind of came out on top and said, "Okay, we're the best at this. We're the easiest at this. We're the cheapest at this." And it's Amazon. So, you know, we're a logistics company to start with. So why not use us for logistics for your online website slash business? So, again, a lot of people to the tune of, if I'm reading this correctly, 30 percent. 36 percent. 36 percent. Yeah. They yeah. 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 Of the web's traffic. That's of the web. Right. So y'all Roomba wasn't working. Y'all you could you, the little robot <laughs> right. vacuum cleaner stopped work. So they own stuff. Right. Was even yeah. having issues. So this this was a major, major, Crazy. major outage that they have. And yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm reading now. Let, let me explain to you what actually happened. An automated activity to scale capacity of one of the AWS services hosted in the main AWS network triggered an unexpected behavior from a large number of clients inside the internal network. That basically says some stuff broke and it really messed up stuff because <laughs> automatically that is the most non-statement statement that I have seen in right. a long time. It's like y'all actually had somebody in PR work on that for days to come out with, and that's what y'all came out with. That's, that's what you came out with. And, and like you, right? And, right there. It's just, it, and, no, I was gonna say, like, like you said in the, in what the, the word that jumped out and all that that word salad you just came up with, <laughs> Rob, was automated. A automated thing where it's not some dude sitting at a computer clicked a button wrong because at least you could triage that. You can say, "What did you do?" He was like, "Oh, well, I was clicking this, and then this happened." They said, "Oh man, you X Y Z when you should have A B C right versus something being automated." That's a uh, something that happened when nobody was around, nobody was watching. You just assume that it's going to do what it's supposed to do. And when it doesn't, then you got to do all this backtrack and then go back through all these log files. And that takes some time to come and up with something. And the problem was their diagnostics also did not work. Right. So because all of that backtracking through the logs couldn't happen <laughs> right. because everything was down. It's like, that. that's what I don't understand about the, I mean, these are billion dollar companies. And, you know, with all the redundancy that they already have built in for things like this, like, like how does something like this happen to where, I mean, not that, this is never supposed to happen, but how does it happen to where even the, the, the fail safes and the procedures you have in place to catch the stuff and the procedure you have to back up to catch the backup of the stuff, like, mm-hmm. like everything just goes to hell. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, it's just crazy. Cause it's like the internet can't afford that. You know what I mean? <laughs> not when you got not almost, anymore. When you got so- almost 40% of the internet's traffic, hosted on your platform like you cannot afford to have that stuff go down like that that's that's crazy so here's a reason why people use things like aws because 
you, you know, in order for you to have a website, you can't just have, okay, well, I need to buy a computer to put my website on. You have to have a computer to put the website on. You have to have a router to plug the computer in to get it to the internet. You've got to have internet connectivity coming into your organization. You need to have firewall. There are a plethora of things that you need to have and organizations back in the day before there, you know, it's kind of funny. We're, we're going back to everything is now on one big giant server, kind of like a mainframe Well, we got away from right. that in the eighties and early nineties. And we went to this distri- distributed, uh, you know, computing model, but back in the day, back in the, you know, uh, late nineties through probably 2009 through 2010, somewhere in that time frame, all of this stuff was internal to organizations. Yep. And the goal of the organization was, can we just have 99, point. You tried to get to triple nines. That was the goal. Can we get to triple nines? Um, when you are a small organization, it's very, very difficult to do that because you literally need teams of dozens to keep everything up and running properly, you know, all the time. And when services like Amazon came around, it's like, hey, we can give you triple nines if you just move your stuff over here and you're just paying us a monthly fee. So that allows small companies to do these really, really, you know, grandiose web server type things. These, you know, and it's not just web service databases. I mean, it's all kind of stuff, all IT um, for lack of a better word, can, you know, for, for the most part, run in something like AWS, not all much of IT can run in there. So, that's why companies are moving over to it. Well, even a company like Amazon, with all the things that they do, is like, well, this is probably going to be one of those ones where we didn't think of that. Now we know it. Let's go make sure that that never happens again. Right. So even a company that size, and I'm not out here stumping for Amazon. I just understand that you know stuff is going to happen. This is a a stuff happen much more so than I believe Facebook a few months ago. Their yeah, outage. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think it was um, definitely their mistake, but you know, I'm looking at the at the comments and, and Sari's uh comment about the the explanation being very vague. Um, you know, that was sort of a, a key point that I read in a few different articles was that that lack of transparency may not necessarily help prevent this from happening again because we need, you know, companies need to know that it was an automatic thing that got triggered, but was it automatically triggered because of, you know, the traffic at a particular website or was it automatically triggered because of this other company that did this thing? You know, they're, the fact that they're not giving the information out may be, you know, hurting them more than helping them to prevent something like this from happening again. My thoughts on that are they put this statement out as vague as it is. And somebody clearly um, that is paid very well in a PR firm said they they okayed this. Let's hope that this squashes it for 99% of our customers. (laughs) Then there's that 1% who Amazon is you know, not they're not just giving money back, but they're giving free stuff to keep you from moving over to some other platform. They get different explanations that is not going to necessarily be public. Now, Speaking this is not some inside knowledge that I have. This is Rob just thinking about how these things happen. There are big customers who are saying, nah, dog, we, that's not going to fly. Uh, Cause it that, that explanation doesn't work. What really happened? And then the argument comes up. We are doing that in our own network. We moved to you, so we wouldn't have to do that kind of stuff. Why aren't exactly. you doing it? Those kind of conversations are about to be had. And like I said, I, you know, these things, you know, they, they happen. And, you know, they try to do whatever they can do to mitigate it and just make sure that it never happens again. So you'll be hearing about postmortems from this particular outage uh, for uh, the foreseeable future. Just because, like I said, it, you know, they could the, the only 
time it could have been worse if this would have happened like on Black Friday, if it would have been a few days before it actually happened. And it's like you have all these businesses that literally cannot do business right now. Um, you know, I, I really feel for them because there's money lost that they're never going to be able to recover. We, we were talking in the pre-show about we have downloads that just didn't happen. Well, we can recover that over time. Uh, you know, people eventually well, are going to download the show. Like, like, like money. I'm not even thinking about e-commerce. I mean, you know, no disrespect to vendors or whatever, but aren't there like hospitals that use AWS and, oh, and there's, there's all kinds of stuff. Like, like this is this, this can be life or death for, for some people when, you know, you have your entire internet of things, you know, heart monitoring systems connected to, to AWS and, and they all go down at the same time. This is the same thing when, when, uh, when, when Tesla had that, that app outage and nobody could get in their car for an hour and a half. Right. Like this, this has implications beyond just, you know, I lost some money because nobody could buy widgets from my, from my website. You know, it 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 is it's a more serious thing to have happen with somebody that owns almost forty percent of the market, um, and and I think they that we deserve a better explanation than oh this automated thing went down and and you know blah 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 you know it just it just it, it y'all got to do better than that with with the explanation and the and the commitment to to doing better going forward. And again, um, you can't avoid stuff like this, but what you can avoid is AWS having one third of the market share when you have Google, when you got Google Cloud out here, you got Microsoft uh, 365 or Azure, Mm -hmm. that you've got VMware, you've got all these different competitors. So if I was some of these other companies, I'd be like, yo, you see see what happened to Amazon, (laughs) right? Why don't you come over this way? (laughs) Right. I can't remember who said it, but it's like Oracle never goes down. It's like, I mean, IBM, uh, Oracle, all these other companies, you know, I would think they need to step that game up because again, things like this are going to happen. But if a third of the internet is on one service, you know, versus it being better, not equally, just better distributed, then when things happen, you know, at the very least, it doesn't take down the East Coast of the United right. States, right? <laughs> Terrible. So we, right. we've talked uh, enough about AWS. Um, I want to get into a story that I'm like, I don't know if I want a COVID mask that glows to let me know that I have it. <laughs> I, I just, you know, can, can you like, can you let me know and not let everybody? I don't know. Let, let, let's talk. No, about man. Uh, shame. 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 Y'all wear a mask and start glowing if you are COVID positive. I, I am all about letting people know and being safe. I just don't know that it's like, let me know before and see, that's people That's what know. I think is, is coming up. So, so in Japan, um, they are working on a mask that has um, ostrich antibody covid covid antibodies extracted from ostrich eggs um ostriches apparently have supercharged immune systems they can make low cost antibodies and then when someone shines a, a black light on the filter they put those antibodies on the filter of the mask and if somebody has covid and has been breathing on it they can shine the black light on it and it'll glow from that um if the person has been infected they're working on um a mask that glows without the black light and that that's my thing it's like you know the the slippery slope of 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 all of this which is you know the slippery slope of technology in general is like okay you know if you're if you're coming into 
you know, instead of doing the temperature check, if you will, somebody coming into a building, instead of doing a temperature check, you got the little black light that you can shine on their mask to see if it glows to see if they're positive. But, you know, where does this end? You know what I mean? Are, are we really going to have people walking around with glow and a dark mask on mm-hmm. knowing, you know, and then and then what's their what's the liability there if, if somebody's mask is glowing? Is it a false positive? Is it that? So it just uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, it sounds like a good idea in theory, but. There's just there's just a lot of questions, a lot of questions. I'll say, when has uh, is this a good idea? Should we do this? Ever stopped anybody <laughs> right. from doing anything? Never. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I read through this and I'm like, all of this sounds good, except for the mask glowing, because that means other people are going to see it before right you know. So like I said, I. I, I I just don't know how I feel on this. And it I just, sounds, I, like, I just don't it sounds like their intention was just for testing so that mm-hmm. you don't have to get the swab up your nose and all the rest of that stuff. So maybe you go to the doctor's office and put this mask on and breathe for, you know, five minutes or whatever. And it can, you know, then they can shine the light and tell if you're, if you're sick or not. Um, but I don't see it. Anywhere. Or even if it's like a home test or something, well, hey, yeah, just put the mask yeah. on, wear it. It starts glowing around the house, right? Then you know something ain't right. But I, I don't see it ending there. You know what I mean? I just see people out in the streets panicking and attacking people. Your mask Mm -hmm. is glowing, ah, Mm -hmm. you know, and just yeah. And you're gonna have people with the fake mask, of course, to incite panic and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I'm just because that's what people do. You know, know, they'll they'll have a mask that glows on purpose just to be, you know. So you mean contrary? So so let me make sure I got this straight. You mean to tell me that you could just be out walking, minding your own business and not for who you are, just because you are who you are. Somebody could discriminate against you. Tell me more about that. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. How would that make you feel if you were discriminated against because of something out of your control? Tell me about that. Right, right, right. I wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) I don't want to preach anybody, um, you know, on on what they should do from a COVID standpoint, that that's not what we're going to do today. We all have our thoughts and feelings on that, but this stuff ain't going away. So any, any testing that we can do that is, that is cheap or free, free would be better, but that you can do so that you know that you have it. Because I don't think that most people would say I have it, but I don't feel bad. So I'm going to still go and spread it around everybody else. I think that if you know that you have this potentially deadly disease, that you admit most, most people, not all, but most people would try to mitigate and try to, Ooh, let me, let me get away from folks. Let me quarantine. Let me not send my kids to school, those kind of things. So the more things we can do to get people to know that they have it um, is a good thing. I'm thinking of the uh, Chicago bulls right now. I think in this month, Chicago bulls have nine players who have tested positive for COVID. They only got 12 to 15 on the squad. It's like nine of them uh, have it. So, you know, I think one of the things that is going on there is that, well, all of their uh, players are vaccinated and the NBA has created lax rules uh, as far as how they engage. And I'm wondering if you're going to start to see as, you know, what they've always said, as we move back indoors, as it gets colder and people are, you know, are together more indoors uh, where you don't have sunlight that kills uh, the COVID virus pretty quickly and they're all breathing the same air. Um, are you going to see the numbers go up? And I, you know, like so this is a. You I know, think you will. I, I know Philadelphia just um, like literally today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday or today. I think it was today because I shared it today. Um, is now going to require a vaccination card for indoor dining. 
So wow. people are people are starting to shut it down again, and and I can't blame them. You know, it, it, y'all don't want to act right, then you don't get to come in and 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 potentially affect everybody else. It is, and they it. also don't want to shut down. It's like nobody exactly. wants to shut back nobody down. So we got to do something. We're not yeah. just going to let you walk around really nilly, but we also right. don't want to shut down. So there's got to be a middle point to there where there has to be a middle ground. If you decide this is the route you want to take, these are the things you can and can't do as a result of that choice. And I'm sure there's some other restaurant owner that welcomes everybody with open arms and, you know, you can go there and, and spread your germs there. So it is what it is. Anywho, I thought that was just an interesting story because, yeah. you know, the way you know how technology go and how it's never just as simple as, you know, it seems. It had me to the black light. But <laughs> what is it? Oh, wait a minute. It's going to actually glow in the dark. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that if, if that's if I want to go that far. I want to go that far. So, uh, Terrence, I'm going to assume this one is yours because it's Apple related. But Apple Watch class action lawsuit. Why don't you tell us about that? No, I, I didn't put this up here. I'm assuming Stephanie did. Oh, you did? But yeah, I put it because that happened to me, and I'm I'm trying to see if I can get some some change. You might have joined this, join this class old, action lawsuit, right? Right. Yeah. One of my older it was it was the first Apple Watch I had. I think I think it was the three. I think it was the Series Three. It might have been the two. Um, but it, it did. So apparently um, on the older, because it sounds like it was with the older um, watches, Series 2, mm-hmm. Series 3, um, mm-hmm. the battery will swell and the whole watch face will pop up. And that's what happened to me. I, I thought it, it's funny because when it happened to my watch, I thought I did something wrong. I thought I might have banged it and didn't realize it or, you know, just I was like, oh, I literally just looked down one day and like my watch it was hanging was off the little up. string. Yeah, it yeah. was popped up. Like, and I was like, oh, shit, what happened to my, I was like, what I was like, oh, damn it, what I do to my watch? So I, I took it back to the Apple store and, um, you know, I was just like, can this be fixed? Or, you know, I don't know what happened here, blah, blah, blah. And they, and, and, and literally they said, oh, this is a known problem and just gave me and literally just gave me a new watch, like on the spot. So I was just like, okay. I mean, I wasn't mad because I got a new watch out of it, but I thought it was really interesting that it's finally coming back around um, that, that somebody, because apparently, you know, one of the people in the class action lawsuit cut their wrist pretty mm-hmm. severely um mm-hmm. because the because the the edges of the, the that watch face are very sharp and jagged and everything and like i said i did notice that on my watch when it happened to my watch i was like this this could have been had i you know brushed up against it or something this this could have been more dangerous than than just the the battery going bad but um so yeah they're, they're suing and um we'll see what happens yeah uh so the 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 catch with this uh, lawsuit is the fact that according to uh, Mac rumors and according to uh, Apple's support communities online, that the word on the street is Apple knew about it and was kind of like, eh, it'd be all right. So now that the fact that like Stephanie mentioned, uh, and of course, you know, you got to take it, take it with a grain of salt. My man, he, uh, this one guy, one of the plaintiffs says, you know, while he was riding on the golf, uh, on a golf, you know, outing with his friends, reached down, unaware that his Apple Watch had detached and severely sliced his arm, Listen, cutting a vein. <laughs> whether, he, whether it was severe or not, you know, like they, he deserved at least him. He deserves some money, honestly. Right. Because, you know, yeah, this was. Mm-hmm. Right. So, again, I think what is uh, causing people to um, uh, take this serious 
so much so that they've created a class action lawsuit is this wasn't a something that was unaware by Apple, uh, according to sources, according to sites, according to publications, according to me. When you know, I walked back into the store, and right? I, according and to Apple, Apple, yeah, and the genius was like, "Yeah, this is a known issue. We'll take it, care of it." Like, right. So it sounds like they didn't do enough. They didn't. No. They didn't uh, resolve the issue fast enough. They didn't let people know that there was a possible issue. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of steps. You know, could have possibly been done to mitigate this issue, but Apple was just like, "Eh, it'll be all right." Then fast forward to now, here comes this class action lawsuit to where it may have some legs. Yeah. And it doesn't it didn't it didn't say, um, you know, if they were going to be allowing people to join. I got to do a little bit more digging because I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get in on that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, may, you may have to say, hey, you know what? My arm was potentially okay. severely sliced <laughs> as well. So <laughs> I don't have an Apple watch, but I do wear watches. And I can tell you, I've got a scar on my uh, right above my knee. From where the on the bracelet just on a regular watch, it has like a little clasp that holds mm-hmm. the bracelet down. It actually it flipped up. And I just went to scratch my knee and that the edge on that was sharp enough that it actually cut my leg. And, you know, to the point where it left the scar, not any stitches or anything like that. So I can see that, that was something that wasn't even really a like a, a, a sharp edge like glass would be. It was just a piece of metal that I would assume at some point the watch company thought about. If this thing slips up, we, it probably should make it so it doesn't cut people. But, yeah, I cut myself, you know, you know, really nice. I had a little scar, probably about two inches on my leg where, you know, I'm just scratching my knee. And, you know, when I yank my hand up, it's like, oh, wow, what did I do there? And I, I thought it was like a fingernail. It's like, how did I scratch myself? And no, it was the it was the little tab on the watch, so I could absolutely see where it would happen. But I also could see people are being very opportunistic with their Listen, cuts. Listen, I can tell you when that thing popped up, I, you you could see, and then it was all like the glue was all stuck and crusted, and I, like I, I I could see it, I could see it. You know, I it I, it was obvious to me right away that it had happened. So you know, I didn't have a chance to, but I wasn't wearing the watch at the time. That was the thing. I I was putting it on, and I noticed that it was you know popped up or whatever, and I was like. Did did I, did I drop the watch last night when I had it on whatever? So, you know, if I had been wearing it and it happened, who knows if I would have noticed it or not noticed it. And, you know, batteries swelling up enough to, to, to do that aren't safe either. The battery itself isn't safe. So it's just like, you know, a lot of stuff could have happened. Apple should have took care of that. And they may have just done that, that risk management thing where it's like, it's only going to be X number of watches that do this. So we, we can just, you know, buy our way out of it or whatever, but, but they should have been a little more, I think, um, thoughtful with this. So moral to the story, Apple, like all companies, thinks about <laughs> profit first. <laughs> <laughs> or I shouldn't say all because there's somebody who's going to say not every company. So Apple, like almost all companies think profit <laughs> first. Damn it. Apple. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, 
Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. So uh, let's get into this last story here. This is one that I threw in. And uh, basically, I'll I'll give the, the teaser here. Black audiences are increasingly cutting the cord. And what made me think of it was I was actually having a conversation uh, I think Friday last week with a, uh, you know, with a good friend of mine. Um, and uh, he was telling me about his parents who have now downsized um, from their big house. They had a great big house that they probably built 30 years ago. All the kids are gone. They've now downsized and they went to a ranch because his dad has had uh, both his knees replaced and is in the process of getting or going, soon going to get a hip replacement. So he just mm-hmm. they didn't want to deal with uh, like I think they had like a three and a half uh, story split level before. So everything was going up and downstairs. So they just moved into a ranch to get to the store. He told me, he's like, oh, you know what they did? They don't have cable anymore. They decided to cut the cord. So I thought it was going to be a hot mess you know, dealing with my, you know, 70 some odd year old parents, but it's like, no, they had a few questions the first few three days of of when they got moved over, but they are cord cutters. And they were just like, you know, we're not home enough to warrant paying all of this money for TV that we don't watch. Mm -hmm. So I just started looking into it and it's like, you know, I wonder, it's like, you don't generally hear of the older generation doing it. And then, you know, and I started looking at article after article and it's like, you know, uh, you know, black folks, uh, in general, uh, you know, I'm not, not casting a, a wide number, but in general have been very, very uh, loyal to the cable companies and satellite companies. Um, you know, I we mean, I are, still have cable. Yeah, you know, we, we are uh, it's some some CEO of some company and I can't think of who it is off the top of my head right now said that, you know, there's a type of uh, customer. They call them omnivore uh, mm. users where they just have everything. <laughs> uh, you know, they just <laughs> they just have some everything. <laughs> So, um, you know, so I'm looking through here. It's like if you go back as recently as 2017, 88% of black households had some type of MVPD. Basically, that is a um, a bunch of acronyms for cable company or a satellite company where you're getting multiple channels from a single service. That was 88%. That was that was a lot going back to 2017. Fast forward to 2021, that number is down to 61%. That is a 25% decrease in less than four years. So when I started looking at this, it's like, wow, it's like, uh, this is, uh, this is a big deal, uh, for these, uh, for these companies because they know everything about their demographic. And I don't want to make it seem like only black people are getting, are, are cutting the cord. That is absolutely not the case. What I think the case is here, when you look at these numbers that in four years, they've dropped from 88% down to 61% who, you know, of us who have it in our household, 25% decrease. Um, there's another stat that says that, uh, 33% of, no, I'm sorry, 40% of uh, cord cutters, they never had cable. So I think there's a couple things going on. You got a lot of, you know, younger folks moving out the house. They're never getting it. And then you're starting to see some of the older generation um, who is starting to get rid of it because I think it's like more than half of adults under 50 have already cut the cord. But mm-hmm. once you get like over 65, it is like 85% have it. So there's a, there's a lot of things going on. And, you know, and, and what I see for, you know, for our community is like, we have just been really loyal to this. We tend to watch more media, uh, you know, per capita than, you know, than other demographics. And the fact that we were staying on cable for so long 
cable companies have started to, to bank on that. And then you look at the last, you know, the last few years where, you know, you look at, you know, just over the last three years, like half of African-Americans who have cut the cord have done so in the last three years. And you just, right. you just start putting all these numbers together. Um, you know, like I, said, I don't want to say that there's any trends or anything like that. I'm not a statistician to, uh, you know, to, to go through this, but a lot of things are happening. So, they push some of this back to basically last year, George Floyd. You now have a lot of companies who are who are, you know, t- trying to court African-Americans. You know, come try, you know, HBO Max out. Come try this out. Um, there have been active campaigns to do that. That has probably worked. Um, I think another big part of it is that cable is just expensive. Cable um, is expensive. It's AF. expensive. It doesn't make any sense. I only still have it because my mother lives with me and, you know, she can kind of navigate her Roku. She has a she has a TV. Um, it's not a necessarily a, a super smart TV, so I have a Roku stick in the back of it, um, and she can she can do it when she feels like it, when she's motivated to really sit with with the different remote controls and 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 make it work. Um, but I think you know, and and I think we both. I still have stuff on cable that I like to to watch as well. Um, but I could definitely live without it if necessary because i have you know apple tv netflix hulu disney plus um and prime so it it i don't clearly don't need any more content um but it's cheaper even even without you know having a mom that liked watching cable and and i love hgtv um even without that it's cheaper to have the cable with my internet you know, that bundle is cheaper than just having the internet by itself, having the fastest um, internet itself. Cause I, or, or it's, it's not necessarily, it might not be cheaper, but it's literally like maybe $10 more to add mm-hmm. the cable with the internet. So I'm just like, well, if I'm, I, I got to get the internet. So if I got to have the internet anyway, then, you know, if it's $10 more to get the cable and, you know, keep my mom happy, keep me happy, get the channels we watch normally, um, why not? You know what I mean? But, but it, it's expensive. It really, really is quite pricey. And, and hopefully, you know, what all of this streaming war stuff is going to do is, is lower that pricing. And, and, and maybe these numbers to your point, Rob, will, will motivate these cable companies to, you know, reconsider some of this pricing because it it is way, way out of hand. Well, um, you know, this says to me, uh, more so or equally so than just uh, black folks willingness to cut cable. What this says to me is, and Rob, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, black folks are loyal uh, almost to a fault. Yeah. And what I mean by that is if we, you know, are a major or let me just read the actual quote. Uh, Horowitz, I'm assuming that's somebody who's already quoted in the story, has long asserted that black consumers are some of the best customers for entertainment, content and services. That to me says that not in the history of television, but I'd say in the past, I'll say 20 years, we are the best customers. So why? Isn't there or why is it now just becoming more popular to cater to this audience? Because I'll continue to read the more along in the story. It says these audiences should not be taken for granted. That sentence alone tells me 
Well, you we weren't taking granted up <laughs> in the it's past. So funny. My, my eye went right. I literally have that yeah. paragraph up on my computer right now because that's right where my eye zoomed in too. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, so, and then they say, uh, many companies are late to the game, only mm-hmm. now focusing on the black audience in the context of BLM and new diversity mandates. BLM, Black Lives Matter, has only been around for what, seven right. Eight years at the right. most. We've been you know, cable We've been cable customers forever. Right. For a while. Ever, so, ever. right. So, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, we as black folks, if we have this influence just based off of these numbers, I think we should be doing something more. We should be using that leverage. Yep. And again, like I mentioned before, if we're such a cherished or prized audience, you would think we'd had black content over the past 10 years. Right. You know, it's like, right. they Ended know, they know we watch TV. They know mm-hmm. we're loyal to a fault. And they're like, well, why go through all the extra effort to do all this stuff to cater to them when they going to watch anyway? You know, so that's kind of what that's, we, and that's yeah. the, that's the mindset, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you think about, you know, how people complain about, you know, oh, the only black content you see is housewives and, you know, another hip hop type yeah. stuff and, you know, whatever reality TV and, 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 yeah, what people don't watch Moesha. I'm like, people watch Moesha. I watched mm-hmm. Moesha religiously until mm-hmm. that show went off. And so there, there's room for um for all types of content. And and like you said, it, it seems like an intentional um snub, basically, because they know we watch it anyway. So mm-hmm. we I think that uh, I don't think this lesson is new right. <laughs> in, in the community just to 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 understand our the power of our dollar and 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 know how to leverage it for for our benefit. Right. You know, back in the day if you if you're thinking about like you know when the TV with with African Americans really become popular like so we're probably a trailing indicator so if it became popular in the late 50s early 60s for 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 white folks it probably was mid 60s to early 70s for us. And Back then, you had your three channels, mm-hmm. maybe a PBS, and maybe like one channel that was not like a major network, but it was just like a local channel that, that you could watch. So when everyone in America was watching either ABC, NBC, or CBS, those shows are going to cater to what most of America was. You you know, you, you did get shows like Sanford and Son. You did get shows back in the seventies, you know, generally the sitcoms, uh, the Jeffersons, you did get shows like that, that were good, but they had a lot of crossover appeal. Um, now you move to where all of this stuff, no one is really sitting down and saying, I want to watch this thing that comes on Tuesday nights at eight o'clock. That's not right. how TV happens anymore. You watch what you want to watch when you want to watch it on whatever platform you want to watch it on. So I think one of the things that this article is kind of getting at is that, well, maybe one of the things that is happening and why you're seeing this, uh, you know, this, you know, this influx of African-Americans are actually getting off of cable, getting off of satellite is that, well, the shows I want to watch aren't on there. It's like if I got to get, you know, if I have to literally go buy Apple uh, TV to watch this one show that I want. I'm going to go do that. If I have to go buy Paramount to watch the show that I want to watch, I'll do that. But if I'm buying it other places, then what am I paying for cable for if I can't actually even see the stuff that I want to see? So I think, you know, as as it often happens uh, with our community, the companies are realizing, oh, these folks were the most loyal and now they're doing what everybody else is doing. Let's see what we can do to let's cater scramble. to them. It might right. be that. Let's, let, let's scramble and I just I don't want to see a whole bunch of bad content come out because you're trying to make up for something uh, 
right. um, that you should have been thinking about for, you know, for a decade or better. Right. Um, and uh, so, like I said, I just I thought this was a, a really interesting one, um, you know, for a lot of reasons. Like I said, I don't want to just tie the numbers, uh, you know, and say, oh, we're doing something different. I think we're just catching up. I think that because of our yeah. loyalty, we have stayed on the platforms longer. And now folks are like, you know what? I could HBO is kind of cool. Let me let me go see what shows I want to watch there. Well, uh, I, also, you know, Amazon's I was looking cool. around and I didn't find anything, but I would also wonder um, what role the digital divide has in us being later to cut the cord than other people, because you need really good internet to, to watch Netflix and, and, and have it be uh, an, a quality experience that, that you would continue to pay for. Um, but you could get the, you know, if you're if you're a customer that has the the nine ninety nine Internet Essentials plan from Comcast, that may not necessarily be enough to to stream four different you know streaming channels, and you may not even be able to afford the nine ninety nine Internet Essentials program. So mm-hmm. I would be really curious to, but maybe you can afford the basic tier of cable, you know, just to have to have something at home to to watch and engage with. So I would be I would be curious to know, you know, how much that just not even for black people in, you know, specifically, but for for, you know, lower income people in general, how that digital divide might be playing into um, us staying on staying with cable longer than than other people. There's probably something to that, because I'm thinking just in my family, I have, you know, um, aunts who have, they, they now have broadband and there is not a single computer in the house. They have right. phones, they have tablets, um, which for their use case, a hundred percent of what they need to do on the internet, they can do on their iPads. Uh, right. So, you know, so they don't have to have a computer, but they have no computers in the house. There's not a, there's not a Chromebook. There's not a laptop. You know, I have two aunts who, you know, who, uh, you know, as they've gotten back in older, you know, older age, they've you know, come back together and they're living together, you know, to share expenses and stuff like that. They don't have a computer, but they have broadband. Right. And I think if anything, we can see what has happened since this pandemic is happening. You have to have broadband in order to be connected to the world, the way it was going all the way back to March of 2020. Um, when things started shutting down, you have to have internet connectivity. So I think right. one of the things that's happened is like, okay, we didn't have this before, but I have to, I got it. My kids got to go to school. We have to get some type of internet. Mm-hmm. Let me get the internet, but you know what? Cable's got to go, uh, you know, so, so, something we're not going to have TV anymore. And what you found is like, oh, wait a minute, you can watch Pluto TV. And I know I've talked about this on the show before, but Pluto TV and, um, you know, Samsung TV and all these other services that have TV all the good shows you want to watch. And, and crackle. And, exactly. You know, all um, of and it's like, is Crackle as good as Netflix? No, but Crackle is awesome if you don't have Netflix. Yep. And Pluto <laughs> TV is bomb. Don't don't trip. Like I watch Pluto TV yeah. like for real because, you know, I just love all the old shows. But I'm just like, yeah, there's there's plenty of content out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, get it together. Um, MVPD providers. <laughs> That's <laughs> you, it. That's it. You know, don't wait until we already done, you know, got a, a foot and a half out the door to try to decide that it's time to do something to, you know, to keep us as, as customers. And, and this is the last thing I'll say on this is that my reason for cutting the cord was to cut price. I know that Terrence, we've talked about this before. That was the reason. Um, I think you're going to see, uh, cable companies aren't just going to go away. They're going to adapt. But I, I think you're going to ultimately just see the prices come down to where it's like, hey, you know, you can get we can buy the same shows 
that Netflix buys. We can buy the same shows that uh, that Hulu gets. We can buy the same stuff that these other companies get. And if we get it from us, it's going to cost you less because you already have your internet with us. We can throw this cable service type thing on top of your internet connectivity, and it's going to get you the same type of shows that you get with these other, uh, you know, with the Hulus and the the Netflixes I, of the world. I feel like that's kind of what they're doing already because, like yeah, I said, my cable bill, my internet bill, my cable bill is not that high. <laughs> it is it's it's only kind of high cuz I still have regular HBO um so I get my HBO Max for free um but it's the internet that I'm paying for and the cable is just kind of an add on like almost a giveaway to the internet service and, and like I said I do have like the fastest speeds that Verizon offers um so there is that but um so they're already kind of doing what you what you're mm. talking about Rob like kind of just you know the, the cable becomes a gift with purchase basically um but but something else is going to have to give I think because right. it, it's just it's still just way too expensive and maybe that's a, a case to be made for you know internet service providing to to come down in price as well so that more people can take advantage of the faster speeds Right. Especially now that these mobile carriers are starting to offer Internet in the house. So. Right. So they ain't got to fight trying to for spectrum and they ain't got to fight to lay cables and they ain't got to fight mm-hmm. to get to your house. When you, if you got a phone or you got a carrier, you can get the same content, same streams. Same stuff. It's, yeah, it's about to be stuff. a new world out here with this Web 3.0. Boy. <laughs> wow, wow. G, if you if you have it, it's it's no joke. It, it is. It is quite fast. Um Not to completely change subjects, but I could see myself uh, not having terrestrial wires coming into the house to provide me Internet connectivity. Mm -hmm. If I can just sit a device in the house and it just works all the time, you don't have a lightning strike hit a tree that knocks down, you know, some wires or something like that. And then I can't watch TV for four hours. Um, I'm interested to see what, you know, where 5G is. In in eighteen months and two years, but we'll, we'll save that for another conversation. <laughs> so I am looking at the clock, y'all. It is it is about that time. But before we go, we want to uh, put some shine on someone. So Stephanie, why don't you tell us who we're talking about today in the Tech John Spotlight? All righty. So today we are talking about Roy Clay Sr. He is known as the godfather of Silicon Valley. Mr. Clay was at the cutting edge of computing and technology. He was born in Kinlock, Missouri, and lived in a home with no indoor plumbing, but went on to become one of the first black men to attend St. Louis University in 1946. And he graduated in 1951 with a bachelor's of science in mathematics. In 1958, Clay found himself working as a computer programmer at the Lawrence Radiation Laboratory, now known as the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California. His job was writing software that demonstrated how particles of radiation would spread through the atmosphere after an atomic explosion. He was present at the birth of the technology industry in the U.S. In 1963, he was employed by Control Data Corporation, working on a computer language known as Fortran. I have worked on Fortran as well, I'm telling my age, but I remember Fortran. Word of Clay's work got back to David Packard, co-founder of Hewlett Packard. And in 1965, he recruited Clay to set up HP computers, uh, HP's computer development business. Packard's idea was to build computers that worked with other HP instrumentation products 
and Clay was vital to this effort. Clay led the team that brought HP's computer, the 2116A, to market in 1966. He also wrote the software for the 2116A as well. That computer... Um, Clay and his colleagues designed was about the size of a typewriter. And so it not only reduced the size of the computer, but improved its reliability. Clay was a vital piece to the rise of HP to technology prominence. He established the software development facility. He managed the computer division and he guided the company's emergence um, as a major player in the industry and became the highest ranking African-American at HP. So then... He uh, kind of got into the startup space um, because he was a guiding hand behind technology investments made by the the group Kleiner Perkins, um, who invested in Tandem Computers, Compact, and Intel. In the mid-1970s, um, Clay discovered that Underwriters Laboratories was going to require a safety test on electrical products to ensure they wouldn't shock or cause a fire. So when you see any of your devices and it has UL listed on the back of it, that's what that means. Clay was an entrepreneur and he formed his own company, Rod L Electronics, that was one of the first uh, startups in the Valley to uh, invent electronic equipment safety testing device uh, devices that were certified by underwriter, underwriters laboratories. So they came up with this standard um, to require safety for devices. And he came up with the equipment that would test that standard to make sure that the devices were safe. Um, so he partnered with his former employee HP, as well as IBM, AT&T and Xerox. His tester was soon found on each of those companies production line. Um, the stickers actually on the uh, products so that you know that they are certified by you. Uh, well. And it is still the, the Rod L tester is still the standard today. In 2003, he was inducted into the Silicon Valley Engineering Council's Hall of Fame. Mr. Clay was honored for his pioneering professional accomplishments alongside his former employees, Bill Hewlett and David Packard of HP and Robert Noyce, the co-founder of Intel. Today, Roy Clay Sr. still lives in Palo Alto and is still CEO of Rod L Electronics. That was another one that uh, another subject. Yeah, that was another paragraph that I wanted to read. It says Clay was motivated to action by the Nixon administration policy proposal of benign neglect. This policy was aimed at urban African-American communities and designed to withhold resources Mm. from these neighborhoods. Clay's response was to organize networking events for black technology workers. He believed in, quote, the way to get through benign neglect was to get African-Americans in positions to do things so we could get others in positions to do things. So, you know, just a little extra nod in there that this discrimination stuff ain't new. You can go ain't all the way back, no. all the way back. Hella systemic. <laughs> and, and like we said last week, this is somebody who is still actively working and doing stuff today. We, yes. we, we talk about, you know, this spotlight you know, te- you know, computers are a relatively new thing. Now, this is a generation, you know, above us. He's probably old enough or close to old enough to be our parent. But yeah, my parents still work, so it's like he's still working too. Um, these are this is not ancient history. This is stuff that he was doing in the '60s and the '70s and the '80s and the '90s and the 2000s and the 2010s and the 2020s because he's still doing it. This is right. this is history that is still being made. Living and history. yeah, and it's like. You know, everybody has heard of the company. You just didn't know that it was a, you know, that it was a brother that was responsible for so much of the stuff that was coming out of Hewlett Packard. 
Mm-hmm. It's like a, that, that, that is impressive. I really enjoy doing these spotlights because it's just, you know, you, you just learn something new about somebody that looks like you that you generally probably would not have heard. That's right. That's what we're here for at the Tech Jump. <laughs> so I am I'm looking at our clock and we, we, we are right there at that time. And normally at the end of the show, we will read off new patrons. And I can say, unfortunately, for the first time, we didn't have any. We blame it on AWS. We blame it on yeah. AWS. Well, we still got to shout out Charles again for the for the $10 cash app. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate you, Charles. You know, so, yeah, so, yeah, we, we didn't we did have any, you, brother. <laughs> we didn't have anybody, but you still can become a supporter of the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john. And we've got, you know, several tiers over there, uh, depending on, you know, you know, what cup of tea you like and, uh, you know, come hang out with us and support the show. So that being said, let's go ahead and tell folks how they can get a hold of us. Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? You can find me all around the web at Tech Life Steph, and you can check out my website at tilldeathyoutweet.com. And you can find me everywhere on the internet, including my website. If you go to Brother Tech, B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things and also check out the techjohn.com uh, on uh, you know, just on the Internet. We actually have a live and functioning website at this point. AWS did not take our website down, fortunately. And uh, also uh, we get a lot of comments over on Twitter at the Tech John on Twitter. So check us out there as well. And until next week. Peace. Peace. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.